What's up, y'all? Have a seat. It's your favorite hour of the week with the facts over acts. We are at episode 27, and we as excited as ever. We as excited as ever. We got some basketball. We got some football. We got some big upsets. We got some big games, all that. You name it, we got it. We got some comebacks, too, all right? So, we got the master, the mixer master, Josh Gotten in the building. That is I. We got the money man, the man with the plan, Chris Allen in the building. Right here, right here. His Steelers are still undefeated. Talk to him nicely. And you got the little old MC, that's me, Kenton Gibbs. How y'all fellas doing today, man? How y'all feeling? How y'all feeling? <laughs> I'm doing all right. I missed the entire uh, weekend of football and had to catch up. So I don't think I'm as uh, hurt as other people that saw their team's demise right in front of their eyes. Yo, wow. Wow. That was very poetic and, and very hurtful at the same time. <laughs> as a long-suffering Lions fan and as an NC State alum, I, I watched both. I watched a lot of demise in front of my eyes. Chris. Your boys pulled it out, came back against the Cowboys. How you feeling, man? Well, Big Ben went down for a second, so I almost had a my heart skipped the beat. But but we we did we had to do, and it looked like Big Ben to be okay. He not out. You, you worried if it's Mason Rudolph time? Oh, oh I'm past worried. I'm a Lions fan worried if it's Mason. Oh Rudolph. my God! Oh hey hey hey! Come on, man! Come on, dog! See, that's where you got us messed up at. Because Lions fans, we don't worry. We already know what's finna happen. We all Exactly. Know. I know what's going to finna happen if we get Rudolph in there. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. Well, we're going we gonna to start this thing off with the biggest upset. Uh, not the biggest upset, but the biggest game in all of college football that happened this weekend. No, we're not talking about Florida, Georgia. Down goes the heavyweight. Down goes Tyson. Down goes Clemson. Clemson has had their 36-game regular season winning streak snapped in South Bend. Uh, Notre Dame took care of them. Now, this game went to double overtime, and Notre Dame uh, pulled it out and stormed the field immediately after. But before we talk about storming the field, we have got to talk about the 47-40 double OT win. Now, just tell me this, fellas. Is this a Notre Dame is coming to the party saying, hey, we're the big kids now? Or was this a the Irish got lucky that Trevor Lawrence had COVID and and Clemson had a few starters on defense down? Um, I, I don't want to write off Notre Dame because I definitely feel like if they could string off another few performances that are as impressive as this win, um, they're definitely in the dance when they, when playoff time comes around. Sure. But I did miss this game from what I've heard about it from you fellas and what I've the developments that I've seen. I think once Clemson, um, if they you know take the proper COVID precautions, which I, which I think they're going to do after this loss, like maybe they might take the health of their players a little more serious. Um, unlike some teams that got, you know, students rushing the field. Um, <laughs> I think this game was just a telltale sign that Clemson is going to run away with the with the national championship this year. You right. can't have that many players down on defense and your quarterback out uh, with a freshman replacing them. And it takes a, a very talented team double overtime to beat you. So that means once the team is healthy, it's going to be very, very tough for another team to beat them in regulation, let alone taking it to overtime. I feel that. I feel Chris, what what you thinking, man? What you thinking? 
I mean, okay, first thing I want to say, it's Clemson. So, I mean, they're losing their starting quarterback. Their backup quarterback will probably start for, like, 50 other colleges. Let's just, let's just <laughs> true, make that. True, true. He was a five-star last year. He was a five-star. Right. So, I mean, when you got a team as deep as Clemson, I'm honestly going to – I might be the bad guy when I say this. You got to win this game. I, I'm not going to lie to you. Really? You got, okay. you got all the okay. talent, all the recruits. You you have a first, second, and third string that would start on most teams. You got to win this game. And Notre Dame, they 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 one of those sneaky teams every year that if you don't come with your A game, they will beat you. But and I I don't like these guys, but Ohio State wouldn't have lost that game. I'm just gonna be honest. Mm, mm. Ohio State wouldn't have lost that game. Here here's the thing: Ohio State with Justin Fields, no, I don't think they would. Ohio State with their backup, whoever that may be. Story. That may be a different story. That may, okay, so so hear me out here. My personal thoughts on this, I 100% agree with Guyton. At the end of the day, this game was way too close. 47-40, you were at home playing the game in Charlotte. Your fans have to travel from South Bend, Indiana, down to Charlotte, North Carolina. Clemson fans have to travel from Clemson, South Carolina, up to Charlotte, North Carolina. Like, this, the ACC championship is going to be almost a home game for Clemson. And I think that that's going to be tough. I think that's going to be real tough for them to overcome. And, you know, we we talk about how good uh, that Clemson's replacements and the backups are. And no doubt, no doubt about that. that even the freshmen that were out there starting this game were five stars. But... Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one pick in the draft. Like, there's a difference between a five-star player and the number one pick in the draft. Like, everybody knows whoever at this point is looking like the Jets are going to get that number one pick, which will then create a very interesting uh, scenario for Sam Darnold, who we'll talk about more coming up later. <laughs> but anywho, um, it'll it'll create a very interesting situation uh, as far as as far as what this team looks like with Trevor come back. And I think they're going to be pissed off going forward. I think they're going to be real pissed off. Dabble going to be able to go in there and say, see, look, didn't I tell you? If you didn't do all the little things right, this was going to happen. See? Even though in reality, like, other than Travis Etienne's fumble off his face mask on that pitch, I really don't think there was anything that Clemson did that was just like, mm. And and another thing I want to note here, just a small little caveat. Notre Dame did not play a clean game either. There were a few touchdowns that they left on the table uh, as well. The one that they took away, that was taken away because of a false start. Um, the tight end dropped the pass at the one or two yard line. There were, I'm not saying Notre Dame played the cleanest game we've ever seen. However, I don't think that they're going to play that much better or as much better as they need to, to beat a Clemson led by Trevor Lawrence. Now, let's talk about the celebration for a minute. Immediately after the fourth down play happens, Notre Dame fans storm the field in the middle of a panoramic, as Gunner would say. So, talk to me. Thoughts, fellas? Uh, I, <laughs> I don't even. I don't even know where to. I don't even know where to start with that. Like, um, it's safe to I, assume. If they're taking this seriously, that Notre Dame is is coming out next week with like with like six players on the field, right? 
<laughs> yeah, no, I doubt it. I highly doubt it. I mean, we're in, we're in. You talking about college students, and I don't know if people have noticed this, but go look at a COVID chart. I mean, I highly doubt that we have any viewers that are like COVID conspiracy or COVID conspiracy or whatever. So, like, they fully believe that people are getting sick off of this. Go look at a chart, bro. Go look at a chart. The the we're in the state of Michigan, which is on the lower end. We had thirty seven thousand new cases. America almost had uh, a a million new cases within the course of, like the past month, bro. I'm just saying, like, <sighs> you're in a college town and you know that 19, 20 year olds and Halloween just ended and they going to parties. You know they aren't going about things the right way. Oh, absolutely not. So it's no way that I can believe that if Notre Dame come out with a full team next week, that that they're uh, that they're going about this the right way. You 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 can't be doing that. You can't be doing that. I had to make sure I was watching. I had to make sure I was watching highlights from from a game in 2020. I thought I was watching a 2016 game or something. I had to make sure. And you know, LeBron and Kyle Kuzma both tweeted, so they getting they fans can storm the field that we can't even have fans in the arena. <laughs> and I, I wanted to tweet back at him, guys. Number one, you're professionals. Number two, your league cares about you. Right. You understand? <laughs> like if if Kyle Kuzma was to drop dead in three years because like of heart complication, this people would feel genuinely bad. His family would sue the dog. Oh, the, the dog <laughs> mess out of the NBA, and you know things would happen. The NCAA, uh, tough titty said the kitty when the milk went dry. I'm sorry that your son is gone now. App State already had a player document, so you know yeah. it's basketball player, but still same nothing less. Chris, what you what you think about the storming of the field, man? Come on, come on in the room, Chris. Well, I see. I was trying to figure out what I was gonna say as well, but I mean, at the same time, it's inevitable. So, like, yeah, they didn't. They did. Even if they didn't storm the field, you know what they did after the game. Give you was oh, like college football. Oh, you absolutely. know what they did after the game. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, to me, it's like. They, they danced around they just, uh, it, without rhythm to party in the USA by Molly Cyrus. Right, and they they and to me they just did it in the public guy. They didn't wait till the game was over, the lights were off, and then go party somewhere else. They just did it out in the open. <laughs> for so, sure, for sure. It's like they just didn't try to hide it. To me, so. <laughs> true, okay. true. All right. So when punishment is levied, who does the punishing? Is it the NCAA, the ACC? Or does the university just say, hey, no more fans of games? If that's how y'all go act, no more fans. It's um, it's college football. I don't even think I can give you an honest answer on that. I think it's going to be the ACC since they are the ones that step forward with uh, deciding to come forward with putting on these games, whatever the case may be. I don't think the NCAA is going to hand down any sanctions because we've seen time and time again if uh, that game is producing revenue, NCAA is good. NCAA is good. But I need to see some sort of punishment come out, which is likely going to be from the ACC, but we need to some, see some sort of punishment come out uh, just to set a precedent, not only for Notre Dame's future games, but for other schools. Because there's much bigger games coming up, and we're going to see that happen again if no punishment is sent out from Notre Dame just to set a precedent of what's to come after. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chris, what you thinking, man? Uh, I see. This is real tricky, man. Cause, I mean, as the school, do you do you want to punish them and kill the momentum? 
Like, cause you know how much momentum they would lose. True, true. I mean, and I feel that, but look at the rest of their schedule. They they don't really need that momentum. Well, okay. Um, I mean, but Giz, you don't need no. If you want to make a serious push, you don't need any more, I any more, that. any more upset losses, like at all. If you want to be a serious team, you don't need any more upset losses. Because when upset losses come, then there comes doubt, and doubt for a college player is probably top five worst things that can happen to them. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. You know, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. The punishment that I would like to see handed down to them is no more fans at the games. And I mean that. I, yeah. This is not a I don't want to see people happy thing because that's not, that's not who I am as a human being. Um, but I think that the science has to be followed. The World Health Organization, things like that, they have to be followed on this. And a, a clear example has to be set. Just like you said, guy, there are going to be more big games during this season. There are going to be more. That's just the fact of the matter. There are going to be more big games where the home team pulls off an upset. There has to be a clear line drawn in the sand. No. None of this. We will have none of this. Or it will continue. And America's already counting on vaccines and whatnot. Now, I don't want to get too political here, but the fact of the matter is, with what we have going on with the numbers, objectively speaking, even if you're looking at how low the kill rate is, even if you say, oh, well, these, these people are young, so that makes it even lower, it still is putting people in a very dangerous situation. And we've talked a lot about, well, what if the, something happens to the athletes? What if something happens to the athletes? What if something happens to the athletes? Last time I checked, these athletes are still going to get groceries. They're still going, you know, they're still going out and about doing whatever they have to do in their daily life. Yeah. So... To say, oh, it's okay that it's it's spread within a team of 80, that's ridiculous to me. That's absolutely ridiculous. The ACC or the university needs to, because the NCAA is, like you said, guy, it's clear. If the bread is there, the, the blind eye will be turned. But the university or the, the team or the conference has to say, hey, mm-mm, this is unacceptable. This is absolutely unacceptable because Notre Dame plays Boston College next week. Boston College has been one of the surprise teams in the ACC so far. If Boston College pulls off that upset and they were to have fans, granted, I don't think that they're having fans in Massachusetts right now, but if they were to have fans, would it be okay for them to storm the field then? No, of course not. So, you know, just just nip it in the bud. Don't set that bad precedence and, and keep it pushing. Now, we alluded to LeBron and Kyle Kuzma's tweet earlier, so we're going to use that to segue on over into basketball here. Um, multiple players wanted a start date that was right after New Year's. Anywhere between January 4th and 14th was what I was hearing a lot of yep. from the players. And the NBA said, I, I hear you. We, we feel you, but how about we don't do that? And we start on the 22nd <laughs> of December. So, fellas. The holidays are going to be topped off with eggnog and some some sweet jams. What are y'all thinking? Do y'all like this? Do y'all think the players should get more time with their family? What's going on? Uh, the basketball fan in me likes it because I'm desperate for some more basketball. Like I, I feel like um, I'm still wanting more basketball after the bubble just because we missed out on the end of the season. So it's like we had a half a season, a mini season. So we still haven't had like a full season of basketball to enjoy yet. So I am excited to watch basketball, but the 
guy that has a wife in me, the guy that cares about the well-being of these players. Like, they are about to have the shortest offseason in the history of professional sports. And it's not like they were asking for much. The the league wants that money for them to play on Christmas, and I understand that. It's kind of shocking to me because the NBA is always, always came off to me as a player's first organization. Um, I know this was brought to vote by the owners, so I'm not surprised that their, you know, pockets have their best interests in mind. But it's not like the players were asking for something absurd. I was hearing a Martin Luther King Day start date, which is, you know what I'm saying, uh, less than 30 days than what the league has in place now. So, so wait, what, what day will Martin Luther King be? Um, Martin uh, 18th, I believe. This right. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Day Okay. Yeah, so it's less than a month from what the league wants, so I don't really see a point in it. Because if you think about it, if December 22nd start date, we're recording this podcast on November 8th, that's really like six weeks away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so you got to jumpstart everything. The draft has to happen in 10 days. Right after that, free agency starts. These guys got to get acclimated with new teams if you jump over. Trades got to happen. Training camps got to happen. Some players aren't even fully rested from the bubble. So throughout the course of the season, each team is required to do seven back-to-backs. Injuries may occur. Like, you could have gave these guys an extra 30 days to spend Christmas with their family and uh, do a couple of math problems on a Zoom call just to get acclimated with their families, especially the bubble teams. That was away from their families completely isolated for, you know, you know, completely isolated for the better part of, of two and a half, three months. Right, right, yeah. And you know what? I wholeheartedly agree. Um, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I am a basketball fan, but there isn't a single part of me that wants this. And I, and I'll say this. I'll say this. If the Lakers find a way to repeat, I don't ever want to hear anything about a Mickey Mouse ring or asterisk again. I mean, because I, honestly, un- unless. Some team pulls off a blockbuster trade, and I think the Warriors are the only ones that might be able to do it. I don't see anything stopping the Lakers from repeating easily. But, see, and here's the thing that I I see as a problem. They're one of their – okay, so you could say LeBron and AD are 1A and 1B. Or you could say LeBron's 1, AD's 2, or you could flip that, however you want to do it, right? Either way, you look at their best two players. One has had injury problems all throughout his career in Anthony Davis – one of them is 38 or 37, what, 36? No, he's 36. He's going to be 36. Uh, he about to turn 36. And he's turning 36 in December, December 30. Right? December 30. So this man is going to have spent as much time playing professional basketball as he has not in his life coming up pretty <laughs> soon here. That's just a fact. That's just a – they're going to have – when was the last game played? The last game of the finals was what, mid-September? Uh, Yeah. They're going to have, in essence, a month and a half, basically. September, October, November, December. So, I'm sorry. They're going to have basically two months here. And that's it. You're back to going. And we're not even talking about, like, oh, you're back to training camp. You're back to this and that. Like, no, 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 no. That's it. And then they're back to playing games. Going 100%. If the NFL has shown us anything... It is that these players are fine-tuned machines and they need the time to rev up. If you look at what's happening in the NFL now, they're seeing injuries like they've never seen before because the players did not have adequate time to get, all right, let's 
Let's rev up. Let's go into it. Let's have training camp. Let's go ahead and get some banging. Let's get a preseason game. Let's get two preseason games. The NBA is going to make that same mistake. They're going to make that same mistake. And I, I remember, I don't know who said it, but I know there's a, a very good proverb. A fool learns from his own mistake. A wise man learns from the mistakes of those who went before him. The NBA is being a fool that got to learn on their own. That like, hey, you bringing players back this quick, you're going to see a lot of folks need just get a little... Right, and I don't want to see that. I don't, but that's just what it's. Going I don't to want be. to see another uh, lockout season again. Exactly, exactly. Chris, talk to us. All right, I'm gonna look at it from three different angles. So the first angle I'm look at it, the NBA was going to lose five hundred to one billion dollars if they didn't start December twenty second. So let let that sink in. Five hundred to one billion dollars. Right, five hundred amps. I got you. So. That amount of money right there alone, if I'm the commissioner, hey, look, if y'all got a low much, y'all got a low much, but $500 million to a billion dollars, I ain't really trying to, you know, I ain't really trying to but just flush that down the hear toilet, me, man. But hear me out here. This is my only pushback to that. The same way that we look at how certain countries have handled the pandemic, right? They wanted to get everything done and out of the way, and they wanted it to be over so quick that things got worse because of the progressive pushing through. We could look at what's happening or what will happen with that and say, okay, y'all were set to lose 500 billion, whatever the case may be, 500 million to a billion. I understand. That is a lot of money, right? But think about this. So what if pretty much all the teams that that were in the bubble or went deep into the playoffs, what if all of them sustained like a decent modicum of injuries? to the players who who have the heaviest workload. So you're talking about the Nuggets without either Jokic or Murray. You're talking about the Lakers without Brown or AD. You're talking about the Heat without Bam or Jimmy. Like, you're, you're talking about some teams here that, in essence, we're, we'd be putting ourselves up to see the Bucks versus the Mavs in the finals. <laughs> like... True, as true. exciting as the Mavs are offensively, nobody will want to see that. Come on now. All right, that that was just my first angle. So I mean, I'm oh okay. To oh my bad, my bad. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead with your other angle. So just, the second, the second angle, second angle is the 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 players' angle. So all right, we just spent four, three, four months. A lot of teams only spent a month or two, a month and a half in the bubble. But we spent three or four months in the bubble. Um. That's not really fair, man. Out of all the years that we want to spend Christmas with our family, I feel like this year is the most important year because of all the things that the year the world been through this year, just the year twenty twenty alone. I feel like they should at least let them, you know, be what they they gave up a lot to get that championship played. On top of the year's been so crazy, you got the passing of Kobe, Chad with Bossman, you got. Race, race wars. You got, you got so much stuff that happened this year that just was, was like, wow. Alex Trebek up out the paint too. Man, man, man. It's just been. It gets worse and worse and worse as this year goes on. So out of all years, I feel like this year Christmas you should be spent. And then another thing for the player side, um, 
COVID still hasn't really been contained. So are we going back to the bubble or are we just about to just, you know, go play willy nilly? Because they haven't said that yet. They, they said, haven't said um, they, they did. Reports came out that said they trying to put together a schedule that would be a regular NBA schedule with reduced uh, traveling by 25%. So they'll have like a lot more like West Coast road trips and stuff like that. Or they're going to take, since it's a 72-game season, they're going to have teams play an even amount of time at the home and away, and they're going to do it like baseball series so the, the Lakers will go play the Bucks, And if they play twice, the Lakers, they'll just play both games in Milwaukee and, and it'll be over with. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, my third my third view is it's it's for the fans. So a lot of fans, uh, they, they, they thoroughly, and I'm one of those fans, they thoroughly enjoy watching basketball on christmas day like that's one of my favorite times of the season is watching basketball games all day long literally from the time i wake up from the time i go to sleep i'm watching basketball all day right christmas day and they they, they want to satisfy the fans so it's like we want to keep the people that that keep our, our revenue flowing engaged so it's like you know the, the fans i can understand why they would want this because they're they're fiends for it it's, it's, a, it's an addiction to be addicted to to watching these players play so that's that's the third outlook I have on it, which I mean, in, re- in all reality, I don't see NBA make losing five hundred million dollars. They can make that jump back so fast. Like if we're being honest, they they will make that back as soon as one player get traded. Them jersey sales for that player. If a the first if Giannis goes anywhere, his jersey sales are gonna go up to at least fifty million right there. You getting fifty of that five hundred right there. <laughs> right. So, that's just my two cents. They they, they they rushing it for sure. I agree with you, Gibbs. They rushing it, and they not really taking everything into consideration. But, I mean, it is what it is. If, if, if the player's load manager, I understand this year. Besides Kawhi oh, Leonard, he done had a lot of time off. Ka- Kawhi done had a lot of time. <laughs> absolutely. You know what? I'm going to say this. I, I'm a, at the end of the day, I get it. It's a business. The business is going to come first. That's what's going to be done always. And uh, I just – I hope these boys have successful and healthy seasons. And that's that's where I'm going to leave that at. But speaking of success, my main man, my MVP, Lamar Jackson, he has hit 26 wins or over 25 wins faster than any quarterback in the history of the game except Dan Marino. He's done it through 31 starts. Through 31 starts, through 31 starts now, this man is 26 and 5. 26 and 5. I just, wow. Wow. What a time. Does, does that, I'm going to just leave that out there and ask for any anything come to mind when y'all think about that? Um, first thing that comes to mind is his his game relies a lot on his athleticism, and he's going to be able to keep this up for a while. So when we start to sprinkle some rings in there, one, we could be looking at a case for for the goat if we can sprinkle a few rings in there. Two, okay. um, don't I recall coming out of college? Didn't they want this dude to change positions? Oh, he was the fifth quarterback taken in that draft. Fifth, <sighs> yeah. I definitely remember some teams wanting this dude to be a slot receiver. I mean, that's what happens when you uh, look a certain way and you play quarterback. But th- those are only two things that come to mind. Chris, what you thinking, man? What's, what's, what's going on in that head of yours? What's going on? You know, me and Josh, you can see our thoughts. Cl- me and Josh, you can see our thoughts clear. But, but, but you got hair still. So what's going on? 
my honest opinion. Mm-hmm. I am want to talk about no Raven, but I mean, since you you got it in a rundown, I'm gonna talk about a Raven. So I'm happy for Lamar. Uh, young brother get paid, you know. Young Dolph get paid, and I'm happy that he's a black quarterback in the league thriving. Honestly, I think he got a longevity in the league, and I think he would be good in the league. But I do think he does lack a lot of passing that he might develop later in the league. But I do think. He needs to work on passing the ball a little bit better. Sometimes he's a little shaky, but other than that, I'm happy for him. I'm glad he's glad he's making money, putting food on the table. I'm glad he's gonna make a lot more money. I'm glad he was an MVP. I'm glad he's a contender in the in my division. So I'm happy for him. I just I just I just wanna you know uh, we talked about the way that you look as a quarterback. People think certain things, but I think it's not just that. It's the way you play as well. And it's, it's a certain level of athleticism that instantly says he needs to switch positions, right? Because he rushed for over 4,000 yards in three years of college. His lowest rushing total ever in college was 960 yards and 11 touchdowns. Because he was the Louisville, he was Louisville's offense. He, that's just the fact of the matter. But now, <sighs> I hate to have to do this to these guys. But Lamar was taken fifth in the draft. And uh, all the other quarterbacks have a lot more than 31 starts under their belt. Uh, you got Baker Mayfield with 39 starts. He's 18 and 21. You got Sam Darnold with 40 starts. He's 11 and 29. You've got uh, Chris Allen. I mean, not Chris Allen. Yeah, Chris <laughs> Allen. And, and I'm... I'm Listen, as much as I love for this guy to be everything that they say he is, at the end of the day, you look at him and you say, well, he looked good coming out of Wyoming and everybody loved him so much because he was a big guy with, uh, I'm sorry, Josh Allen, not Chris Allen. I don't know why I called this man Chris Allen. (laughs) Sorry. I I have no clue. No people named Chris Allen are important in my life. No, I'm fucking around. Um, But seriously, though. You got Josh Allen, 23 and 18. And then you've got Josh Rosen, 3 and 13, now on the Buccaneers practice squad. Um, I, a lot of people say that Lamar is successful because of the team that he's been surrounded with. What do you guys think of that? N- not at all. Not at all. I mean, the more times than not, the quarterback is a driving force of a football team. And Mm -hmm. regardless of what pieces you put around him, an average quarterback couldn't produce seasons this well on a consistent basis without, without having elite level talent themselves. It's not, it's not too many quarterbacks. You'll be able to uh, plug into the the Ravens offense and they, and they have the same kind of productivity or they had the same kind of season, regardless of who you plug in. Chris, what you thinking, man? What you on think? paper, what's, what's on paper, that Ravens team is good, but they not all that on paper. Like if you really look at that roster, top to bottom, they got a lot of holes on that on that team that that Lamar Lamar makes up for. Like 
They O line is decent, but it, it's not an O line like man. They got like one of the best. O Lamar got it easy back there. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's his O line. I mean, do you agree with me, Gibbs? I, I don't think. Oh, it's absolutely. Especially this year after Marshall Yonda retired, they don't have a, they don't have a defined leader that is a steady force that they did in Marshall Yonda. He was an All Pro. He if offensive lineman got the same love and skill positions, I think he would be a Hall of Famer. But yeah, he Marshall Yonda was very good for a very long time, and he he's gone now. He retired. So that's what I'm saying. So if you really look at that team, top to bottom, I, I, I they're not really that juggernaut team or anything. Like they're not the Chiefs. So, so I mean. exactly, exactly. And and here's here's my thing about that argument: that any quarterback, if they came into what he was in, they they'd be great too. The only way that that argument stands up is if you talk about these teams' defenses. The Browns, the Jets, the Bills, uh, the Dolphins. The Bills and the Browns this year have decent defenses. Sure, sure, we'll go with that. But now, if you look at these offensive units, you telling me that if you gave Lamar, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, David and Joko, Nick Chubb, you telling me that you could give him that and he would go, that's only been the last two seasons. You telling me he'd go 11 and 13 with that? Are you serious? No, and Baker Mayfield, I, I don't even know how he still got a job, man. Are you serious? <laughs> the Jets, I get it. They're awful. They let Robbie Anderson walk for nothing. Sure. The Bills. Le'Veon Bill walk for nothing. Exactly. Let Le'Veon Bell walk for nothing and barely use them. Don't run behind uh, Makai Becton, who is Makai Becton early in his career, is already asserting himself as a dominant force in the run game at tackle. Now, let's slide on over to the Bills. Uh, Stephon Diggs, uh, Brown on the edge as well. Uh, Frank Gore and Singletary in the backfield are just about as good as whatever the Ravens got in the backfield. If we're talking Ingram and Hill and uh, Gus Edwards, like, what are we, what, where are y'all getting this idea that Lamar has weapons on weapons on weapons? And I will say, though, Gibbs, I will say, his defense has been good every since he's been in the league. He had, oh, absolutely. But so has. But that's so what the has, Ravens known for, though. But so has the Bills. The Bills have had good defenses every year. Every year. Still, 23 and 18. Stephon Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley. Come on now. That's a trio of receivers right there. Those, those, aren't, slou those aren't slouches. All three of them, I believe, have caught for 1,000 at some point in time in their career. And, yeah. and you're going to tell me, oh, it's the weapons. It's the weapons around them. Knock it off. Mark Andrews is a good tight end. He ain't that good. He ain't that good to where you tell me he can make up for those three. He's not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay? So, you know, I'm just, I'm going to leave that there. I'm going to leave that there. And we're going to move on. But all I'm saying is, 3-13, 23-18, 11-29, 18-20, 26 26-5. I mean, come on. Come on. All he did in his first full season as a starter was 14-2. And for the people saying that he doesn't have any playoff success, Peyton Manning didn't have any either through his first three seasons, and he had three full seasons as a starter. Right. Three full seasons. So don't 
don't, that's that's not the game to play here. That it just objectively is not. But anywho, shout out to Lamar. Keep doing what you do. Keep being great, man. And now we've got a uh, less well-mannered young man than Lamar. A uh, a young man who has gotten into his fair share of trouble, but is back on the field as we speak, as we record this thing. Antonio Brown is activated with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Fellas, what do y'all think about this pickup for the Bucs? The Bucs called it low risk. They signed him to a cheap, basically prove-it contract. What do y'all think about this signing for the Bucs? Is this the rich getting richer, or is A.B. going to A.B. again and be going off that team in three weeks? Um, I can't guarantee you he won't be off the team in three weeks, but I do agree that it is a good signing because it's low risk. Um, worst case scenario, he ABs the situation and he's out of there, and that's not really taking a hit to a team. You're not losing guaranteed money. You're not losing an essential piece because Tampa Bay, Bay already doing pretty damn good without him. Um, but the flip side of that is you're getting a once elite level receiver for very cheap, and the the payoff could be you winning extra games with him, you winning the championship because of how much he's producing. And then on top of that, it'd be good for A.B. as well if he can, uh, you know, behave himself. Next season, he might have another big payday around the corner, depending on how he finishes out this season or how well he plays. That's that's mm. fair. That's fair. Chris, talk to him. I ain't holding my breath on no Antonio Brown. I'm not <laughs> holding my breath on no Antonio Brown. But I was just about to say, as a Steelers fan, you're the guy who knows the best. I ain't hold my breath. That's all I'm going to say. He's moody. He's emotional. He the Paul Pierce of of Paul Pierce without the ring of football. He he's a prima donna. He's a drama king for sure. Oh my lord. Oh my so, lord. This man so, said he is Paul Pierce without the ring. Oh my lord. So oh my 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 whole thing is now, if you want to talk about somebody get gifted some players, that man Tom Brady right there, boy. The Tampa is just building him a wall that – have y'all seen this roster? I mean, at, at the same time, though, isn't it long overdue? We watched Tom in New England, with the exception of Randy Moss. They was picking up some practice squads, dudes, that ended up being right, pretty good. Right, but that system in New England <laughs> – that system oh, come in on New now. England – that system in New England groomed a lot of them. And he had Gronk. These are these are lies upon lies, and I, I'm sick of hearing these Ooh. lies. Let me when he first was the starter in New England, they were not winning because of Tom Brady. They were winning with Tom Brady. They had Corey Dillon as their running back. Corey Dillon, many people forget about. He was one of the best running backs in the league at that time. Right. You got right. Terry Glenn. You had Terry Glenn out wide at that time. Mm-hmm. He was still rolling, doing good things before they let him go to the Cowboys. Then you move up a little bit. You see Welker come along. Everybody said, oh, he's only good because of Tom. He's only good because of Tom. He's only good because of Tom. He goes and helps Peyton Manning break a record with the Broncos. Then you get Gronk as well. Then you get Aaron Hernandez, who, I'm sorry, he's a murderer, but he was an excellent tight end. He was a Mackey Award winner for a reason. Like, when people talk about Aaron Hernandez coming out of college, they said he was a first-round talent with undraftable character he still ended up getting taken in the fourth that's how good he was people knew about Aaron Hernandez they didn't know he was a murderer of course but they knew (laughs) he was very good coming out of college then you got Gronk who has turned out to be possibly one of the best tight ends the game has ever seen 
has ever seen. Then you had Randy Moss as well. And then, like, I, I, I would love to. And he had Antonio Brown in, in in New England for a second. But, but, but he, but you know what though? Antonio Brown was there for so short. I don't even want to. I don't even want to count that. I'm just saying he got him, he got him he got him back again is what I'm saying like but oh, yeah, I, out of I'll everybody out of everybody that you named there the only long term teammates that he had was Welker and Gronk and Brady was there for 20 years Welker and Gronk were there but remember these teams did not the idea that and this is why I always say Lamar Jackson when we talk about him and all his wins right I do agree. The team that he draft, was drafted to was the perfect situation for him because they built around him. They made the team work around Lamar, not Lamar work around the team. That was what Lamar needed, right? However, Lamar broke the quarterback rushing record while leading the league in, tu- in uh, passing touchdowns. Like, that's, that's like, oh, there's no, no way around that. This team lost Tom Brady, or that team, rather, lost Tom Brady. They put Matt Castle in. He went eleven and five. Like, come on. <laughs> we can play this game of oh, the Patriots are bad without him now. So he's so that's proof that he was the thing. The Patriots had the most players opt out this season, many of whom were starters. Dante Hightower over the past decade has been one of the best middle linebackers in the game. In the game. True. True. Before that, Ty Law, longtime teammate of his, one of the best corners in the game, Hall of Famer. Rodney Harrison, teammate of his, Hall of Famer. Junior Seau, teammate of his, God rest his soul, Hall of Famer. We're not going to sit up here and talk like <laughs> Brady was taking teams. I'm a, Peyton Manning took teams that without him, those teams are awful. He took a few. I'm not saying all of Peyton's teams were awful, but he took a few. Tom Brady, I'm, I'm not going to give you that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but those defenses he had, uh, along with the weapons he had, these past three years, we've seen him with nobodies. Before that, you were lying to have talk about he didn't have no weapons. No, I, I, I think I think him and I think Peyton always had good weapons with him. I think the Colts' defenses were awful, and I don't know how Peyton was winning games with those defenses that they had. But I think for the better part of his start in, in Indianapolis, Peyton had some pretty decent weapons with him. Oh, for sure. For sure. It was it went from Marshall Falk to Edron James and uh Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Dallas Clark, all those guys. Yeah, they I'm all I'm saying is the narrative that Tom Brady has always done more with less is flatly false. Like the players that he's had have all been fairly good. They have not been bums that like up oh, Okay, this guy's nobody. Like, Chris Hogan was like, a, oh, he looks good with Brady. When he leaves, he's a nobody. Sure, I'll give you that. I'll give you him. A few other guys as well were bums with him when they, I mean, good with him when they left, look like nobody. But a lot of those guys were going to be somebody independent of him. They were going to be somebody independent of what Tom Brady uh, put him up to. But, yeah, yeah, I, I agree, Chris. This The roster for the Bucks is absolutely loaded. However, they're down 20 to zip right now, so. That's just a fun little snippet. Oh, 21 zip, actually. The extra point just clear. But, yeah, they're down 21 zip to the Bucks right now. That makes my soul smile a little bit. But, yeah, uh, that's what's going on over there. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you this. Antonio Brown has an extremely short lease, so I agree that it is a, a, a low-risk type deal because, number one, he hasn't been there all season. Number two, they did pay him basically nothing. So even if he's gone, he's just gone. And it's like, all right, cool. 
We paid you 100K for a game. Bye. Like, you know, that's that's not a bad thing. So now we're going we gonna to do a little segment that we call Heat Check. And, um, you know, like we say, Antonio Brown, for example, is on the hot seat. And that if he does anything wrong, he's gone. So we're going to do the, the Heat Check for a few players and a few coaches. All right. We're we just going to do that for a few folks. Y'all ready for this, fellas? Yep. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Okay, the first player on our heat check, because we have talked about how much maligned the uh, NFC East is, we got to start off with the NFC East. Carson Wentz, uh, they drafted Jalen Hurts, and I believe the third, the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts in the third round. They paid Carson Wentz a lot of money, but he has yet to perform and prove that he deserves it to an extent. Uh, he was playing great before his injury ever since. Not much to be seen. How hot is the seat for Carson Wentz? Very, very mm. hot. Well, well, no, the seat should be very hot. They paid him that much money. Philadelphia seems to be invested in Carson Wentz, so I don't think it's as hot as it should be. Um, mm-hmm. The Eagles, there's no reason they shouldn't have a better record than they do now. They should absolutely be dominating the division. The division should be a, a closed case at this point. We shouldn't, even, we shouldn't even be talking about who might win the, the NFC East with this terrible record. The NFC East should be closed. Um, okay. Honestly, if I was the Eagles, give Jalen Hurd a start. I mean, look at y'all record. Look at the division. Wait until you play uh, the Giants again. Literally, what's the worst that can happen? Either you're going to find a diamond in the rough and say, hey, it's time to give him the keys now. Or you can put the overpaid dude back on the field. You Either way, you could get a big win out of that situation. So the seat is not as hot as it should be. But it should be warming up. Okay. All right, Chris, how hot is Carson Wentz seat right now? If he don't win this terrible division, get him out of here. Oh, of here. That's giving oh, him too much time. He may need six games to win this division. Mm. Mm. I mean, listen, the Cowboys lost today. The Giants beat the Washington football team. So everybody seems to be locked at two wins at the moment. That's what I'm saying. He might need six mm-hmm. games to win this division. Oh, uh, the the Saints scored again, twenty-eight zero. Ooh, yeah, it's getting aggressive out there. The Eagles are in front of the division with a whopping three, four, and one. So you know <laughs> they, hey, like you said, Chris, we at the halfway point. They play eight games and they only have three. So technically, Chris, you were right on the money. If they go six, eight, and two, they will. They're on pace to win this thing. Right. So that's my opinion. He don't win this division. What are we paying for? I feel that. I feel that. I I think that his seat is lukewarm and warming up. I say lukewarm because, like Josh said, they've invested so much at this point. They've invested – they seem to be going with him as a long-term option. Uh, Doug Peterson seems to believe in him. I, we saw Nick Foles take this team to a uh, Super Bowl, and Nick Foles hasn't done anything since. You know, and in the words of my one of my favorite coaches, one of my favorite people, Jermaine Crowell, he ain't pissed to drop. He has not <laughs> done anything since he left. So you know, that's when you are in a quarterback battle with Mitch Trubisky. I don't know. But anywho, um, yeah, the, that Eagles team, the Eagles team from then, they were getting healthy at the right time. 
they went ahead and, and won a Super Bowl. I think the Eagles now, for the past couple of seasons, have just been very snake-bitten as far as injuries go. But I agree. I think that they, six games wins this division. If they sneak in the playoffs and get a win, I think that the seat cools down exponentially for them. But even if they win this division, if they win it at seven and seven, uh, seven, eight and one, like that's not really, or if they go eight, seven and one, like that's not really impressive to me for the amount of money they paid them. But anywho, we're going to move on to our next candidate here. Jim Harbaugh up at Michigan. They lost, the University of Michigan lost to Indiana for the first time since 1987. Nobody on this podcast was born last time <laughs> the University of Michigan lost to Indiana. And now two of us are bald. So, like, you know, it's, it's, been, quite, it's been quite some time. Uh, they lost 38-21 in a game that really was not even as close as the score would indicate. They led, Indiana led 24-7 at half and kind of took their foot off the gas. So, fellas. How hot is Jim Harbaugh's seat? Um, it's actually stone cold. What? I think that the University of Michigan, the University of Michigan, at this point, is more concerned with uh, putting out a program that has good recruits, which he's going to get. They're more concerned with having uh high ticket sales, which that name is going to attract ticket sales. They're more concerned with having a media circus around their team as opposed to actually winning football games. Jim Harbaugh oh shouldn't have Jim Harbaugh shouldn't have, shouldn't have even had a job going into this season. I don't oh see them Lord. getting rid of him anytime soon because if that was the case, they would have gotten rid of him already. Okay. All so right, it, it, his seat should be I don't even know was was hotter than on fire. Like he should have been gone a long time ago, but that's not the case. I don't think that's Michigan's concern. So I, I think Jim Harbaugh is going to be around for a while. Okay, all right. That's a take. That's that there. That's a hot take. That's an extremely hot take, Chris. How hot is Jim Harbaugh's seat? Oh, them khakis and him, they out of there. Oh, <laughs> they out of there. Oh, his his season flames. They gonna let Oof. him finish this season because he got some croups, but he out of there. I'm sorry, bro. Said the khakis are on fire. Okay, can you give us just a little bit of background as to why you think that seat is that hot? Talk, just just get, give us a little something. Listen, Gibbs, he gets rewarded from doing the absolute least amount in the Big Ten. Like, let's keep Ooh. it above. Let's keep it above. He's the only one in the last five to ten years that hasn't got a playoff appearance in the Big Ten. But I mean, the top three, the Michigan State, Ohio State, and Michigan. He's the only one. Michigan, uh, Michigan, you know? Michigan State played Alabama a couple years, about five yeah, years. Yeah, that was the year Shalee Calhoun got stiff-armed in the oblivion by Derrick Henry. Yeah. Right, right, know. right. Okay, and um, Ohio, Ohio State. Ohio State been going consistently. Ohio right, State been going been, consistently. They've been so, a fixture in that thing. And Michigan has the highest paid coach between the three schools. So, mm. Mm. I'm, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you. I agree with Chris a thousand percent. Those khakis are on fire. He's out of there. He's gone. But let me tell you why he's gone. Because I also agree with Guy in that the university wasn't really concerned with firing him. But there's this bad man down at the University of Cincinnati. There's this Luke Fickle character that never lost to Michigan and Ohio State. He messed around, got a head coaching job at Cincy, and has turned him into a national contender. Like, 
this is this this is crazy to me. If if a few things happen and shake out the right way, we could see Cincinnati in the playoffs. Like that's I know that that's crazy to think about. I'm not talking about the Cincinnati Bengals, folks. I'm not. I'm talking about the University of Cincinnati Bearcats. There are three teams losing out of being in the playoffs. I beg your pardon. Midwestern roots for the coach too. Michigan is about to give Luke Fickle a blank check. I, I guarantee it. I don't care what what Harbaugh does. He's not going to beat Ohio State this year. That's not going to happen. We might as well throw that one on out. If at any point during that Ohio State game it gets embarrassing, or you know what, I think he's going either way, to be honest. But his only saving hope is if they can pull one out against Ohio State, which I don't think they can do. But, uh, yeah, the khakis got to go somewhere else, man. You can't be here. That's what they finna tell him in Ann Arbor. Hey, big dog. Hey, hey, Mr. Harbaugh, come here real quick. Hey, big man, big man. Big man, big man. Hey, big man. Big man with the cleats. <laughs> but very seriously, though, I'm, I'm not like a, a Harbaugh hater or anything, but after I heard that story about him missing out on the top uh, recruit at the guard position that ended up being a top draft pick, um, the one who had the young woman removed from his lap by his mother, um, the the minute I heard the story about him losing that player because he refused to take his cleats off, I said, "Yeah, it's time for him to go." Yeah, that's that's amateur hour stuff right there. You can't you can't live like that. You can't live like that. So now I'm I'm gonna throw one in here, a little bit of a curveball, because a lot of people don't think his seat is that hot, but I don't know. Bill Belichick, the Patriots are two and five at the moment. The Patriots are two and five. They're third in the division. That would be their lowest finish in that division since I want to say either the year two thousand or the nineties. Fellas, is his seat hot, or have the Super Bowl rings given him a cool? Uh, seat not hot at all. Seat not hot at all. Uh, reason behind that is because Bill Belichick was a, a big part in building the Patriots dynasty in a program that we know it as. So, I mean, every team uh, rebuilds eventually. Brady left. Gronk isn't there. Gronk came back to play for the Buccaneers. Like you said, so many players opted out of their deals. I think it's just a legacy thing at this point. You give him at least a few years to see where he can bring them back to. That's like saying that the Spurs need to fire Popovich because they didn't make they the didn't playoffs make after making it. Yeah, you, you got to give him more respect than that. I feel that. I feel that. But also, the Spurs were competitive, even with complete and total nobodies. Even true, with LaMarcus true. Aldridge <laughs> and uh, LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan competing to see who would take the most contested mid-range jumpers, he still <laughs> turned them into something decent. True, true. This Patriots team looked like a two-pack of cheeks. <laughs> Chris, how hot is Bill Belichick's seat? Uh, not hot at all. Um, strictly just because I mean the pay. This is a, this is a weird year. The Patriots have been dealing with a lot of COVID cases. The Patriots also have been dealing with a lot of lack of practice because of the COVID cases. Mm-hmm. And the Patriots got like all new players, and they trying to run a different system because they don't have Tom Brady. So, no, you not no, no. If I'm the Patriots, I let Bill Belichick just work it out. Uh, you know. I want his seat to not be hot because as much as he's won, I would say that he's earned the extra rope. However, uh, Robert Kraft doesn't seem to be 
too fond of a lot of the moves that Bill Belichick has been out here pulling lately. The situation with Jimmy Garoppolo rubbed him the wrong way. And now, you know, there seems to be some contention there. Winning covers over a multitude of sins. And I truly believe with the losing that's going on, it's like, it's like somebody that didn't like their old lady that much anyway, but then she finally stops doing the one thing that he really likes. And he's like, all right, that's it. That's enough. That's enough. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Get, him, get her out of here. Get her out. <laughs> and it's like, wait a minute. She helped you get back on your feet, got you a car, got you a job. Nope. Don't care. Get her out of here. I think that, that that may be happening. I think his seat is lukewarm. I don't think it's hot yet, but it's on the way. Also, Cam Newton, though he has looked really awful this season, number one, no weapons. Number two, he had COVID for a minute. So, you know, maybe just give a little grace for that. I don't know. But also, we're going to move on from Bill Belichick to one of his disciples. We've already seen one Belichick disciple in in Bill O'Brien fired already. Matt Patricia, how hot is the seat? After they got devastatingly beat, by the Vikings, who came into the game with two wins, <laughs> they got beat by two touchdowns, 34-20. How hot is Patricia's seat? Man, it's hotter than the, the core of the sun. He, he needs to be gone. Oof. Don't even let him finish the season. And I think, uh, I think that may actually happen because even though the Lions aren't that good at making, um, making decisions as an organization in whole – I do think that the Lions actually try to do their best job in pleasing their fan base, which is why they're one of the worst franchises in sports, but somehow have one of the largest fan bases. I do think they try to do a good job at appeasing their fan base. And I think that just fan pressure and social media pressure, especially if we continue to lose to uh, a a two-win team like the Vikings, I think that social media pressure and the fan pressure is going to get to a point where Matt Patricia doesn't finish the season. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Chris, how hot is Matt Patricia's seat? Oh, his seat's flaming, but is Detroit going to do anything about it? Nah. Uh, nah. It, mm, that's interesting. That's interesting. I, his seat is hot as fish grease, and I say that for this reason. Remember when we let go of Jim Caldwell? Unfortunately, I do. We let go of Jim Caldwell because he couldn't beat the good teams. Well, congratulations, Mr. Quinn. You just lost your job, and we can't beat the bad teams anymore. (laughs) The Vikings are a horrible team. Adam Thielen is a good number two receiver. Adam Thielen is the white Juju Smith-Schuster. When you expect him to be number one and he has all the attention on him, he will not fall. He will not perform. He will not go off for 150 when he's the second option. And there's another guy on the other side that you're paying all attention to, a la Stefan Diggs, a la Antonio Brown, a la Chase Claypool. Then he'll pop out for you like Juju did today. But this is it's the writing's on the wall. You cannot lose to this Vikings team. You can't do it. 
And Lions fans were so excited to get back to three and three, not realizing we had the great fortune of playing the Jags and the Falcons back to back. Two teams that had one wins at the time. Or one win, not even wins up, plural. One win at the time. The Jaguars still have one win. The Falcons now have two, maybe three. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But at the end of the day, when you look at that, we got rid of Caldwell because he couldn't win the big games. Now we can't win the big games, the small games, the medium games. We can't win. We just can't win. We have won less (laughs) games. All I'm saying is we've won less games in Patricia's entire tenure than we did through Caldwell's first 25. I mean, that's that's just a fact. So we call this facts over acts for a reason, and that's a fact. That's a, that's as factual as it comes. And we're going to do one final one, and then we're going we gonna to get on out of here because we know that y'all tired of us talking about these coaches on the hot seat. Adam Gase and the 0-8 Jets. Now, the Jets owner said that Gase is still the future. However, Gase has had a lot of time with this team. Somehow he's convinced us that Le'Veon Bell is bad at football and he's 0-8 this season. How hot is Adam Gase's seat? Um, Not as hot as it should be. I think it's lukewarm. I'm not going to rule out the possibility that Adam Gase is going at the end of the season, but we know that the uh, Jets front office is not uh, running that organization the right way. And if we've heard it from the owner's mouth that they're that they're set that this is the future, um, I, I think we might see a few more years of of, of horrid Jets football. So I think it's. I'm not going to completely rule out the possibility that he that he's gone, but I think it's very unlikely that that they change that they change the coaching on this team right now. Okay. Okay. Chris, what you thinking? How hot is Adam Gates seat? Mm, not really hot. I think the Jets just gonna let it ride out. He's gonna be like they Luke Walton until they find something better. You know, this is what confuses me about the Jets. Adam Gates had one good season ever with Adam Gase. They had one 10-6 season. Just one. Just one. Since then, since that one 10-6, Adam Gase is a hardy 20-36. (laughs) 20-36. I very sincerely wonder what made the Jets even look at Adam Gase to begin with and say, that's my guy. That's the guy that's going to lead this franchise into the promised land. But at this point, you've got to let him go because he's wasting Sam Darnold. And the Jets are so bad, it's looking like they're going to get the number one pick. They're going to run away with it too because all the other teams that are supposed to be tanking for it, they're messing around winning games. <clears throat> Lions, <clears throat> they messed around and won games against other one-win teams and whatnot. And so, you know, they're blowing it. The Jets, oh, they dedicated, baby. They're going to get them some Trevor Lawrence. They said, y'all enjoyed Tom Brady for all those years? Hey, watch this. Watch this. We're going to get Tom that can run. But uh, I, I don't I don't understand it. I don't get it. It defies logic. It defies reason. His seat 
should be as hot as hell. It should be as hot as Hades. It should be as hot as the river sticks. It should be as hot as the, the second to the lowest floor in Dante's Inferno. Because I know the final floor was like freezing cold. But it should be as hot as the second to lowest. Because this one here. Wow. How do you... Anybody who says Jim Caldwell not having a job is an indicator that he's not a good coach, I beg you to look at Adam Gase getting a second run after what he did in Miami. I beg you to. And tell me what metric he passed that Caldwell did. But anywho, I know y'all tired of me loving up on Jim Caldwell. I know y'all tired of me talking about Michigan coaches that need to get fired. Because fun fact about Adam Gase, he's from Ypsilanti. So we, we've talked about a lot of coaches who are either from or currently coaching in the state of Michigan who need to get about the paint. But but we're over it. Y'all hit him down top of a plan. You know what that means. Come back next week and a week after that and a week after that. Peace and love, y'all. Yeah,